Well, and I have to use a wheelchair a lot because of the MS. And I was used to walking miles and miles on nature walks and going to national parks in hot weather and just being able to trudge through it. And now I break into a a pool of sweat if I drink a cup of coffee. Because of the MS, I have a hard time regulating my heat now. So my entire body has almost done a 180 in terms of my experience of it. But here's where I'm grateful. And I had to go through a real big stubborn phase because I resist. Welcome to Scratch Your Own Itch Podcast. The show about the things we think about, but don't ever talk about. My name is Logan Tyler Nelson, and I'm your host. These conversations are about creating a life worth living. With a focus on sharing stories about battles in our heads, topics range from depression, addiction, self-doubt, past traumas, and everyday compulsive thinking. And my hope is that this show will just shed some light on anyone in the dark that feels like they're alone in their daily struggles. Please take note that this show is not meant to be a replacement for professional diagnosis or professional therapy. I am not a counselor or a therapist. Hey, you. Thank you so much for just tuning in and listening to another episode of Scratch Your Own Itch. So I, I wanted to read a review for you real quick before we started the show. It's from Beagle Nation, and Beagle Nation says, I love the purpose and mission of this show. And Logan does a great job at asking questions of his guests. It is very clear that he cares about helping people. Great stuff. And uh, they gave me that review on my birthday, December 17, 2017, which places me in a new category, the new category of feeling like you're actually doing something. You're actually making impact. And I really feel like I'm actually making impact, even though this review says that it is very clear that he cares about helping people and he asks questions that are great. Hearing that, like, really, really, really keys in on, I feel like I suck at this. To be totally honest, I feel like I'm not good at this interviewing thing. And I'm about to release episode 38. And uh, this is going to be with Brian Raymond King. And honestly, I feel like I'm terrible at it. And I think it just goes to show you that the art that you do, you're always going to be your worst critic. The body that you see in the mirror, the face that you see in the mirror, you're never going to see the truth. And the beauty of that, unless you start accepting yourself. And I think that you can be really, really, really motivated to change. But the only way that you're actually going to be the change that you wish that you started to see in the mirror, I think is through self-acceptance. So through that, I want you to know that um, just by sharing these weird deep thoughts that you have that are just not true, it helps. So don't ever, ever, ever miss an opportunity to do that, whether it's on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. If you hear something in today's episode and you just want to share an idea that happened during the show that made you feel less alone, please don't wait. And also, if you want to get connected with me, join my Facebook group, Scratch Your Own Itch, Creating a Life Worth Living. It's all about accountability, and asking yourself the quality questions in order to lead you to a quality of life, one that you love living. So enjoy my interview with Brian Raymond King. Hey, you. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking you're the person who's going to save the world. And I believe it. But I think you need to save yourself first. 
I believe 100% that the when the plane is going down, that you can't help anyone else out until you put on your own oxygen mask. But today, guess what? We live in a world that's fulfilled with negativity, suffering, and trauma. And it kills me to know this, but it's your choice to either succumb to it or overcome it. Personally, I'm super stoked right now that you're suffering. I know that sounds sick, but it means you're human and you're looking for a way out. And guess what? Just by showing up today and then implementing the resiliency tools my guests and I are going to share with you today, well, that'll be your way to save the world. So my guest today, if you're wondering, is Brian R. King. And who is Brian R. King? Brian? Well, he used to be a social worker. He's also a cancer survivor and a proud father of three boys with Asperger's and ADHD. He himself also had ADHD, or still has ADHD, and struggles with dyslexia. For the past 10 years, Brian has poured his heart into teaching other parents of children with special needs strategies to help prepare the children for a better world to live in. He's also had the pleasure of speaking all over the country to various groups who want to learn his strategies. What Brian has learned over this time is that What he does best is teach people how to authentically connect with each other. He shows people how to remove the barriers between themselves so they can discover how much they can accomplish together. That we are never alone when we know how to connect with those around us. Brian is also the host of the new podcast, Memoirs of Mindful Life, which can be found on iTunes or watched on Blab. You can find out more about Brian and his work at brianraymondking.com. But, you know, I've been talking a ton, and I really want to introduce you to my sidekick today, Brian R. King. So, Brian R. King, without further ado, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing awesome, Logan. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, dude, thanks for coming on Scratch Your Own Edge. I really... Like, dude, I just want to say first off, uh, you guys, you, you are just a... A treat, my friend. You really are. Thank you for being a gift to the world. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I'm just paying forward all of the wonderful things that have come into my life because of the challenges I've had. Ah, yeah. Uh, um, and you have gone through some challenges, so I want to definitely get into those. And? What? Yeah, I still do, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm st- still going through stuff. I was just, uh, in addition to the stuff that you uh, mentioned at the beginning, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis last summer. Oh, my father has so, that. Um, yeah, so I'm dealing with all the exciting things that come along with that as well. Ah, oh, man. Oh, oh, man. But hey, I believe in what you have taught your mind to battle with these these odd and uncalled for traumas that we just we don't ask for them obviously but they come up and we have to have a a resilient mind so before we get into the resilient mind i kind of want to get uh into your story and and where you've come from but um most specifically the story that you've had with your um your son who at one point actually dealt with some suicidal thoughts and uh what you said to him when he was going through this yeah, my oldest son, he just turned 20, just early this week. When he was 11, he was really going through some serious stuff. His mom and I had separated. He decided to try out public school. We had him in a, a special needs school for a while. And he was dealing with a lot of bullying and a lot of pressure from teachers, from other students. And he reached his saturation point. And there was one night where he just broke down and was sobbing and was saying, nobody understands me, nobody cares, not even you understand me. And that was shocking because he always referred to me as the one person that did understand. And it was late at night when this was happening. And so I just sat down with him. You know, the room was was pretty darkened. And I just sat next to him and just put my arm around him as he cried. And I really didn't have any answers for him. I felt just as helpless as he did. But then in that moment of feeling helpless, I developed 
this kind of curiosity that asking myself, man, I don't know what the heck to do, but we got to figure out something. So I was very honest and transparent with him. I said, you know what, buddy? I can tell right now that you're scared because you don't know what to do. And frankly, I don't know what to do either. But there's one thing I can promise you right now. I promise you that until we figure out how to make this better, I'm not going anywhere. You're not going to have to go through this alone. We'll figure it out somehow, and we're going to make things better. And he felt so alone before that, thinking nobody gets me, nobody understands me, nobody's helping me. But just that reassurance that he wasn't going to be alone as he went through this helped him calm down. And it also reminded him that I've been by his side since day one. And no matter how hard it was, I wasn't going anywhere. And just that reassurance helped him calm down. And once he was calm, we started developing a plan about who we were going to approach at school, the kind of questions we were going to ask them, how we were going to frame the problem, you know, what our expectations were. And we were both able to get a good night's sleep after that and start over the next morning. Oh my God. It just, I don't, it makes the hairs on my neck stand up when I hear that story. And, um, uh, it just really, uh, reassures me that, uh, you know, sometimes we don't always have the right answers, but we just simply need our voice to be heard every now and then. And, and for you to just like reach out to your son like that and just say, Hey buddy, like, I don't know exactly what to do. Like, but I, I, tell you what, like, I'm going to be here for you. And I think, uh, that's kind of the first way to just be there for anybody that's had these thoughts, even if they're not taking extreme action on it, which, uh, you know, you, you hope to God they don't, but, uh, at the same time, you just got to be there for them and just know that, um, you're gonna, you're gonna live in a way where hopefully they see that and, they're just consumed by that way that you are and um, to be a good example. So uh, let's get into that kind of like, how do you deal with, because um, I know you also struggle with ADHD and dyslexia. How do you kind of combat the ADHD to work for you instead of against you? Well, one thing I want to throw out there in reference to our previous point is that yeah, a, big yeah, yeah. Part of res- a, a big part of resilience is realizing that you're on a journey of discovery. Because when you come up against a new, I don't want to like to use the word obstacle, a new challenge, a new opportunity, a new mountain to climb. If it holds you back in some way, it's because you don't yet have the strength to deal with it. And I think of opportunities, you know, challenges in my life as opportunities to be resourceful as opposed to opportunities to be overwhelmed, to go into crisis, or any of that stuff. And in order to be resourceful, you have to have the knowledge and the skills required to manage whatever that challenge is. So when it came to my son, I realized, well, I don't have the knowledge and skills I need to help him through this. So I got to figure out where to find him. And it's the same with the ADHD, the dyslexia, and now the MS. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I had my period of being angry about it, of asking myself, you know, why the heck am I being given yet one more thing that I got to deal with? But after a short period of feeling sorry for myself, I said, okay, time to get to work. What knowledge do I need? What skills do I need to develop? And what people do I need in my life in order to be able to navigate this successfully so it doesn't hold me back? You know, so I can learn to surf this wave like a champ. And it's just asking that question and being curious about what's out there. What knowledge is there? What kind of cool people are out there that I can model? What skills do I need that I don't have now so that I can rock this thing? And just, you know, through the MS alone, I've learned, I've met people that are really into nutrition. People that have taught me how to exercise in ways where I don't have to put myself in danger of falling or hurting myself that have made a huge difference in my feeling better inside this body. ADHD, the same thing. I sought out experts who knew how to look at it more as an asset instead of an adversary, 
who had these real positive reframes on it, who introduced me to things like text-to-speech technology so that the I could have stuff read to me instead of having to read it. You know, after I learned that I had dyslexia and found the text-to-speech, my life was changed. Just by that one piece of technology that allowed me to get into books, I'd been trying to trudge through for years, but couldn't get through the first 10 pages. Now I was sucking them in like it was water. So just things like that have been totally transformational. Gosh, yeah, that's so cool that you, I just want to say, like, first of all, uh, that's amazing that you actually transform your mindset into going, what words do I kind of need to like eliminate from my uh, vocabulary? So I look at it from a positive point of view versus a negative point of view, which we often do. Uh, Just it's, it's in our language, we can't really avoid it. Um, But what we can do is, is change the perspective and the relationship that we have with those words, right? That's what I'm getting from at least what you're saying. Oh, yeah. You've got to emphasize language that provides solutions for you, you know, that opens doors instead of closes them. And when you think of, of things in such a way as, man, I can't do it, or this is going to be so hard, or why do I have to do this, or why me? What did I do to deserve this? Those are all questions and comments that lead you to want to pull back, to feel as though you're being a victim or you're being punished somehow, as opposed to things like, what's the solution? What one thing can I do here in order to keep moving forward? What are my opportunities? Who can I ask for some perspective on this? You know, the more solution focused you are in your language, the less you feel like something's being done to you and the more you feel like you're still in charge and you can do things to exact some change on your circumstances. So it's not just changing your language, it's also changing your ideas of what is possible what options you have with what's been given to you. Oh, that's a, okay. That's really cool. That is, that is neat to point that out, that it's the options. And, and um, do you think though, now we live in a world today where it's kind of like options are abundant and it's like, how do you gain clarity then when we have all these options? Well, we've always been in a world of abundance. I mean, when you look at the way the universe is designed, it's always in some way creating something you know when the the earth goes from the the 24 hours and the sun rises the next day it starts again every single spring new buds come on the plants you know every morning you wake up you can eat and start your day there's always an opportunity to create something you get an idea in your head something that you can act on you can put something on facebook you can make something with your hands you can write a poem There's always this creative flow going on. And one of the best things about technology these days is that new ideas are even more accessible than they've ever been. You don't need to go to a a library all the time or go on the encyclopedia. You can listen to a podcast like yours. You can go and search up an article. You can watch something on YouTube. And there's so many ideas these days that how can you not realize that we are living in this endless stream of creative powers. And what makes them even more accessible is your realization that you are part of that creative force. Because there are some people that listen to, they watch the videos, they read the articles, and they're intimidated. You know, they think, oh man, I can never be that smart. Oh, I could never succeed like that person did. But when the reality is, you can say, man, I need to model this guy. I need to figure out what this person did, what decisions he made, what actions he took, so I can get not only this or the same results or similar results. It's making that connection that the only person, the only thing that's different between me and this person is they're farther ahead on the journey than I am. But I can do this too. So again, it's not only exposing yourself to the ideas, but realizing that you have the option to follow in that person's footsteps as opposed to thinking that you're somehow excluded from the same success that person had. Oh, one of my favorite questions is, um, is who do you just want to become, right? So I think a huge thing that you point out is, well, first of all, I want to say endless stream to create, like that is just, 
it's amazing that you look at, at technology as a positive. And I wish more people did too. I really do. Um, because a lot of us, uh, I think, view technology as, and it can be a bad thing, like anything. If you drink too much water, gosh, that can make you actually ill. Um, if yeah, you it all has when, to do with how you use it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that so much. So how do you, um, what's, what's the first steps that you have taken in the past to start becoming someone that you want to be? Well, the first thing that you have to ask yourself is what results do you want? You know, what experience do you want to have of life? What things do you want to accomplish? And typically, they are things that are an improvement over where you are now. You know, one of the things that started me on the track was when I was going through cancer when I was 18. Because during that period of time, I was so angry or I was depressed or I was terrified, you know, am I going to die? And when I found out that I was going to live, well, what do I do with the rest of my life now? And I have trust issues because a lot of my friends stopped talking to me and my girlfriend broke up with me and I had to do all that healing. And I had to go through, I went through my own share of counseling in order to get back on my feet. But then I had to ask myself the question, you know, well, I don't want to live this way, being angry and being so easily upset and people having to walk on eggshells around me. So what do I want instead? And I wasn't sure what I wanted instead because I was so up to my eyeballs and what I was feeling because how raw it was. So what I did is I went to the library because this was back in 1988 before we had the internet. Cell phones were barely in their infancy. So I started diving into personal development and philosophy and world religions and started getting into these new ideas, you know, in Socrates and Buddhism and all this other stuff. And I began seeing the possibilities of how else I could think besides how I was thinking now. And I started studying things that taught me how to be in the present, how to let go, how to be much more optimistic. And that's what started leading me down the path that has gotten me to where I am today. So I love that you talk about all this. It is just, I mean, I think we're given a chance to finally become the person that we want to become. And, uh, and it's hard to actually sometimes step into it, right? Because now you got to finally like be, uh, open with these sort of, uh, things that you've gone through and, and trials and tribulations. How do you constantly do that? How are you so open with, with what you've gone through? Well, it's definitely been a process. I mean, there was you know, my early 20s. There were the period of time where I went through the, yeah, well, I know everything. I know better than you. You can't teach me anything. You know, I don't already know. I'm the smartest kid in the room. And that kind of arrogance that a lot of people suffer from. And I think it was, you know, having my kids and them getting diagnosed with Asperger's and ADHD and being repeatedly hit with not knowing Jack. You know, just when you think you figured out one thing, a new problem shows up. And the more I've had to reach out to people over the years and remain a perpetual student, the more I realized that that was the frame of mind I needed to stay in. I needed to stay open and curious and humble and keep myself open to new ideas so that I wasn't held back by my belief that I knew everything. Or that I was so certain about the way something worked that I didn't need to examine that and question whether there was a better idea out there I could use. So a lot of it was just life continually kicking me between the eyes. And just when you think you've got it all figured out, it steps up and kicks you again. So the more you just remain curious and open and questioning whether you've got the best recipe that you need. Staying in that frame of mind is what keeps you really, really humble and in the flow. Ah, I love that you talk about curiosity. And um, I think actually that's the uh, one thing that uh, kind of stinks about growing up is we think we can't have fun and we can't play anymore. And I think you can still have fun and still play. Maybe you just don't have the body that's, that's uh, created for, you know, being able to 
roll down the hill and tumble down the hill and uh, make make these crazy big snow uh, snowmans, which you still can do as an adult, but your body might not be like, okay, uh, this this kind of this doesn't feel good like it used to as a kid. But what's great about it is you can be intellectually playful. I believe at least like intellectually uh, curious, which is, you know, studying the philosophy and, and going out there and improving yourself with self-development. But is there one little thing that you found from a, a particular philosopher that made you more resilient and more resilient minded? Well, the first thing I want to do is give you credit for what you just said. You know, it's <laughs> not, Thanks. it's, it's not that you can't have fun as a grown up, but what, fun means to you changes it when you if you've ever sat down with an older person they are so full of stories stories about what they did as a kid stories about how you can learn this lesson in this way so whereas early on when you're younger so much about how you engage the world is through testing physical testing taking risks learning what's a smarter idea versus I never want to do that again. But as you get older, more and more of how you learn is based on reflection and examining, reflecting over the stories that of what you've learned over the years, listening to other people's stories. You became, become much more of a carrier of wisdom when you're older. And earlier in life, it's all about acquiring the wisdom. You know what I mean? And then you kind of pass it on in later life. So now, now I have to, I just had an ADHD moment. Now I have to remember what your question was. <laughs> no, totally. Um, first of all, being human is amazing. I love it because I, um, I have ADHD moments all the time too. It's why oh, yeah. I'm constantly ne moving. Never but a dull anyway, moment, man. No. Um, the, uh, the question was just about like any philosophers in particular that taught you about resiliency and how to have a resilient mindset when you do actually, well, um, have this, the random kick in the, in the, in the, in the face or between the eyes, as you put it, and actually overcome it. Well, the, the two philosophers that I rely upon the most are Buddha and Socrates. Now, Buddha was the one who I learned the most about letting go, not personalizing things, letting things just pass like the wind through the trees, like the water down the stream, that no matter how much I believe that things are the case, a lot of that is my just projecting my perceptions upon them. That typically when I think something is the case, it's just an illusion in my own mind, and that's typically not the way it is. So the less attached I am to my assessment of things, the more flexible my thinking can be in terms of what I can actually do with it. You know, if I look at a piece of clay and I say, oh, that's a rock. No, it looks like a rock. But if I put my hand on it, I can actually realize I can mold it and it can become a tree, you know, or it can become a person or whatever else I decide to do with it. If I allow myself to realize that, no, it's not what I've decided it is. It's something much more. And Socrates was the perpetual gadfly. The moment anybody claimed they knew something, he would say, really? Well, what makes you so sure? You know, tell me what your evidence is. And he could pick apart any person's argument until they realize that they don't know Jack. They have a lot of opinions. They've got a lot of beliefs, but they have no knowledge. And that was something that made him, you know, really unpopular. Because some of the smartest people and the authorities around, he was able to just totally destroy their ego. Not in a way that he wanted to upset them, but he was trying to help them humble themselves. And he was essentially the, the inventor of logic or real critical analysis of things. So both of those guys combined just are constant reminders that you don't know anything. You can have opinions, you can have beliefs, you can project whatever you want on the world, but you've got to keep questioning your assessment of things because the more you believe things are the case, the more stuck you're going to be. And you're going to keep creating some lousy results with what you think because 
you're not remaining curious. You're not being open to the information the universe is giving you. I hope that answers your question. Hey guys, I gotta interrupt this real quick to do a call to action, as they call it in the podcasting world. I've got this call to action about have you ever had a story that you felt like you needed to share? A story that you needed to get off your chest? And you have this imposter syndrome in which you think that it's not good enough to share. But let's be honest. Any trauma that you've ever gone through needs to be shared. You deserve for your voice to be heard. So if you ever want your voice to be heard, please let me know. I'd love to help you with a podcast. Maybe writing books just isn't your thing. But a podcast... You're a talker. You know how to talk. Well, back to my interview. No, it does. Absolutely it does. Uh, I really love that you point out that uh, to stay in a belief system can be limiting, right? Like if you believe uh, A always equals A, then you're limiting yourself. Or the, the rock example, like you said, like, no, you can do so much with that rock and mold things with that rock. Um, and I think it, it's this sort of part where people forget and they go wrong in life. Um, when they're always going on autopilot, going to work, not being creative um, by trying stuff that's just new, uh, that's where I think people can lose sight of what happiness is. Um, and happiness is, of course, like a, a moving target. But what do you think um, can give someone immediate happiness other than just creation? Gratitude. Gratitude. That's simple. Plain and simple. Gratitude. Because gratitude is the recognition that things are being given to you, that opportunities and experience are being brought to you, as opposed to thinking or mistakenly believing that your life is somehow routine, that there's no newness to it. The people that complain about Mondays have lost their sense of appreciation and wonder. They think nothing new is coming my way, just the same old stuff, different day. It's a very unfortunate rut to let yourself get into. When the reality is, yeah, it's Monday, but you haven't done this Monday before. This is a brand new Monday. And you can do what you did the last Monday, or you can do new stuff. You can look around you to see what's changed. I guarantee you that, you know, if it's slow in traffic or you got a stoplight, you can look at the person next to you and you can smile at them or you can wave. You can do something unique to connect with another person to make that day fresh for you. You can go through the Starbucks or the Dunkin' Donuts and pay for the order of the person behind you. There are so many things you can do to make it life affirming. There's absolutely nothing that condemns you to monotony. Uh, I'm sorry. I was just like taking, I was having one of those like where I'm just like really listening in. Oh, geez. That's yes. Yes. And yes, again, because I think that one of the things that I really, really take from that is that when, when you just simply take a little bit of time and I really do believe in these mini small investments, it's not like the Herculean sort of moves that people actually get a lot of uh, investment in from the return. It's more so like just taking five minutes, right? And just saying like, all right, in this moment, I'm, 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 I'm grateful that I'm breathing. I'm grateful that my heart's pumping, um, you know, and then actually utilizing something that uh, maybe could be actually a negative to your life, which is, you know, oh man, I'm grateful that I can walk. And instead, like so many people have to be running like crazy to think that that that's the uh, way to get in shape is is by running all the time. But really the way, way to get in shape for me is just to walk and have those simple gratitudes and not compare yourself. Well, and I have to use a wheelchair a lot because of the MS. And I was used to walking miles and miles on nature walks and going to national parks in hot weather and just being able to trudge through it. And now I break into a, a pool of sweat if I drink a cup of coffee. Because of the MS, I have a hard time regulating my heat now. So 
my entire body has almost done a 180 in terms of my experience of it. But here's where I'm grateful. And I had to go through a real big stubborn phase because I resisted the change. I loved walking through national parks. I loved being able to just put my shoes on and go for a walk instead of having to think about is my my wheelchair completely powered, you know, or other things like that. But what I've now being grateful for is I'm grateful that there's such a thing as a wheelchair. I'm grateful that the stores have these powered carts that I can use to go and do grocery shopping instead of having to wait for one of my kids or my wife because I can't carry the groceries in my lap when I'm in a, a manual wheelchair. And all these things that reduce the barrier between me and what it is I want to accomplish. So what appears on the surface to be a lack or an assault on my freedom, my independence, is actually an opportunity to see gratitude in new things. And another thing I want to point out, because you were talking about, you know, don't need Herculean steps to be gratitude. It can be little things. When you think of the artist Michelangelo, one of his most famous creations was this gigantic marble statue that he called David. It began as a huge block of marble. And he had a vision in his head of what David looked like. In fact, somebody asked him, man, how did you create David out of that big chunk of marble? And his answer was, well, I just chipped away everything that wasn't David. You know, so he had the, the, the image of it in his mind, and he kind of got rid of all the noise, all the extra marble around it that hid David. He saw David inside the marble. And he didn't just give it, you know, a whack here and a whack there and all the marble fell away. You know, these big, huge hammerings. Now he did a little bit at a time. Chip here, chisel there. And I don't know how long it took him, but he did it in those small little steps. And the people that think it has to be a big sweeping gesture are simply impatient. You know, they're not willing to take the time and be precise and be an artist and carve the life they want for themselves a little bit at a time. It's important to realize that in many cases, it's baby steps. Sometimes it's bigger steps, but as long as you're making progress or you're learning something, even though you might feel like you're taking two steps forward, three steps back, I still consider that progress because with the three steps back, you now have a maybe a, a bit of a bigger, a larger view on the situation, you can say, hmm, I slid back a little bit. What's that about? What did I do that caused me to backslide? And what do I need to do differently in order to regain my lost ground? So as long as you're asking the right questions, you've lost nothing. Wow, that is so, so amazing. I'm just, wow, I like, I'm so... Uh... I'm I'm a I'm not dumbfounded by it completely because I know that like uh, I I strive for that but I know that my myself also lose sight of that sometimes when like those 15 minutes of the day that comes up where I'm like man I really just wasted those 15 minutes I feel like I did nothing just now like that was just pointless like you know I'm working on my website right now for example and I feel like I'm going nowhere with it. But um, I'm realizing too that uh, that heck, I just found like probably fifteen thousand ways not to do it, um, not to do it right. And I and I think we live in an age, um, where we need to think about the 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 history, which has kind of been the theme of this conversation about history to find the answers. So like one thing Einstein would do is he didn't look at oh I uh, or not Einstein, it was uh, Thomas Edison rather. Thomas Edison would go I like I you know I try to find light for a light bulb. And I didn't think of it as like, you know, 2,767 failures. I found, I found 2,677 or whatever, how many times he failed as ways not to actually create the light bulb, mm -hmm. which, um, I don't know if that's all part of resiliency in your, in your teachings is, is it, is that like oh, categorized oh, as resiliency? Absolutely. Because it, it allows you to keep moving forward when you see all of your attempts as a process of elimination. You know, and that's one of the things that 
Edison was really good at, he knew that he was working his way towards finding the proper filament for the light bulb. It's the same thing that allowed the gold prospectors to keep digging when they just came up with one rock after another. Because they knew that, okay, I've dug this hole, I've eliminated this, now I know the gold isn't here, but I'll start digging over here, maybe the gold's there. Because they knew eventually they were going to strike gold because they heard it was out there somewhere. So instead of thinking, okay, the first place I dug, no gold, I'm a failure, I'm going back home. They didn't think like that. Because it's a process of elimination. You keep digging until you find what it is you're looking for. Same thing that made Edison succeed. Same thing that has moved society forward. When they come up with a fa faster microchip, when they come up with you know, more memory, when the, um, you, you know, like a, those electric toys you have these days, little talking dolls or whatever. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Um, like, like, El like, El like Elmo? Yeah, like the Elmo. Like that. <laughs> the, chip, the chip that makes that thing work has more memory on it than the chip that was in the lunar module that landed on the moon in 1969. So you're saying right now that the little Elmo, the Tickle Me Elmo that goes in... World, like that yeah. little guy right there, has more technology than the chip for NASA, this first space shuttle. Yep, that's how far technology has come. See, if you've thought of technology as a negative thing in your life, um, I don't know. I, I'm kind of struck by it. I can't believe it's uh, it's it's incredible to just look at that measurement of progress. Which is great. I think that, that this is something I'm learning right now. Like in the moment, I love how you look at it as, as long as it's tiny little progress or progressive rather. Um, the word is progressive moments in your life. Then you can really, uh, go a route where you no longer need to feel like it's the right thing to do. You don't have to like develop this, like, um, this constant intuition. Oh, I feel like this is the right thing. But just have like a, a, a nice system of measurement for yourself to know that by measuring this certain skill that you're trying to become better at, you're getting progress. And that is going to ultimately lead you the right direction no matter what, right? Well, and everything needs to be tested. You know, you can say, oh, it feels like the right thing to do. Check it out. Take some action on it and see what kind of feedback you get. You know, and... If you get information back, there's one rule that I learned, which has been really, really helpful for me, is that there's no failure, there's only feedback. Because the universe gives you information as to whether what you're doing is effective or not. It doesn't judge you. It doesn't say, ah, man, you're a screw-up. Or, man, you really messed that up. That's your own assessment of the situation. That's you feeling bad about yourself. When the reality is, information is neutral. So if you try something... And it doesn't go the way you want it to. Okay, that's useful information that lets you know you need to do something else. That's not saying you failed. It's something you do to yourself, man. So take the information for what it is and take some new action until you get the result you want. Yeah, wow. Uh, there's no failure. There's only feedback. I'm going to be uttering that um, quite a quite a bit. Um, in my life uh, as of now because that's just amazing. There's no failure. There's no feedback because it's looking at life like that where you go, okay, like I'm not, I, I think by that way of thinking, it's kind of like the Drano or resistance to actually becoming depressed and, and feeling down about yourself. And, and actually what's the worst part of depression, which I faced a lot, was feeling numb. But when you look at it in a new light of going, what kind of feedback am I getting? What kind of uh, what kind of uh, comments am I getting for my work? Um, that is another form of feedback where you don't always have to take it as as personal, but look at it as like a way to grow from it. Well, and um, and the keeps, the emotional the emotional numbness tends to come. And this is just my own personal opinion of the whole thing. That the emotional numbness comes from once your brain gets sick and tired of beating itself up. It gets tired of the punishment, so it just stops giving itself any kind of input. 
But if you don't go to that punishment to begin with, it's much easier to stay in conversation with yourself and be a cheerleader. Say, well, you know, man, I've tried, you know, I'm, I'm tired because I've tried a hundred different things, but you know what? We're still in this. We still got a chance to win this. We can still do that. Your brain is going to be a lot more open to that kind of input as opposed to hearing that you're a worthless piece of crap for the thousandth time. That's something that after a while, you're just going to shut yourself off and be numb. So keep yourself engaged in a very positive way. I guess the, you know, the key here is if you eliminate that tendency to judge or criticize the things that don't go the way you want them to, that in itself will help you be more resilient because you're not thinking of, I've made no progress. I just keep screwing up. I'm getting nowhere. That kind of talk, there's no resilience in because it doesn't move you forward. It doesn't make you solution focused. So keep yourself thinking always in terms of the possibilities. Asking me, what haven't I done yet? Who else can I talk to? What other options do I need to consider? Because the more you remind yourself that you are in an abundance game, that there's still something you haven't tried, there is no such thing as I've tried everything. Because when you say I've tried everything and it hasn't worked, you slam the door on any possibilities. Because we wouldn't have, our society would not be where it is today if all of those people said, oh, I tried everything, can't make the light bulb, forget it. Oh, I've tried everything. We can't come up with new treatments for cancer. I've tried everything. We can't develop the telephone. Now we got to stick with this whole cans and string or the telegraph. There's no such thing as trying everything. There's always something else. Hey, I just want to interrupt this show really quick. If this show is worth an hour of your time out of your day, first of all, thank you so, so, so much for taking the time to listen. And if you found it inspirational or valuable, please head over to LoganTylerNelson.com and leave a few dollars or whatever you find affordable to help this show reach a bigger platform. It takes a lot of time to put it together. It takes, unfortunately, dollars to make it happen. But all I'm trying to do is make people feel less alone and more comfortable with sharing the thoughts we all have and need to talk about more. Back to my interview. That is <laughs> that is just gold. That should be on every single person's t-shirt that is in a um, production for making a movie or a production for making a play because um, that's kind of my background is acting. And, and whenever we were working on a project, we would often, um, I feel like a lot of us would shut down and not, you know, if we feel emotionally drained because of the, the play that, uh, is asking of us to become these characters that we would obviously not travel around as every single day, but that these characters are going through the, the 99%, the slice of life, sort of like, you know, huge, huge, huge episodes of, of, of sadness, like where, where divorces were happening in that play, or, or maybe uh, a uh, person uh, lost their life that was really close to them. But if, 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 if that kind of mindset came into that play of, you know, we haven't tried everything, it would keep possibilities to being open, which we could talk about that kind of stuff for another hour. But I unfortunately, we're rolling down towards the end of the uh, of the show. But I want to ask you just some quick and curious questions that I like to try to ask most of my guests just to sort of uh, see how they um, roll with these punches. So I'm going to throw them at you whenever you're ready. Bring it up. Awesome. Um, so the first thing I'd like to ask is um, what is a thought that you keep having during the day that you just wish you didn't have anymore? One thought that I have in my, that I wish I didn't have anymore. Yeah, yeah, that one thought. Some, some, some. Well, sometimes I think to myself, "I'm not smart enough." <sighs> You're not alone in that, my friend. <laughs> um, and yeah, but but the way I quash it when it shows up is, I'm not supposed to be the smartest. I'm supposed to be the most curious. Oh, thank you for that. 
Oh, yes. Brian, you and I, we have not been hanging out enough. So I feel like this is a, I really do feel like this is a relationship that is um, definitely being developed right now because I could hang out with someone a little bit more curious like myself. Amen. Um, the next question I'd love to ask you is, because uh, my mind thinks in like quotes and mantras, uh, just to get me back on track, what's a current quote or mantra that you've been living by? Oh, man, that's a piece of cake. Be so good they can't ignore you. Oh, yeah. That's so awesome to hear. Cal, Cal Newport, uh, what's his name? Uh, Steve Martin, all those greats, they talk about that. Yeah. That, that's a Steve Martin quote right there. Be so good they can't ignore you. And that's the thing that really drives me to achieve the level that I continue to achieve in my niche of helping people with ADHD and Asperger's is I'm not satisfied with my current level of knowledge. I don't settle and I don't become comfortable. I am absolutely insatiable when it comes to learning more and more and more to help myself and other people create better results. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like 100%. Absolutely. It just, um, because I think it's, you know, when that smell is in the air, that sort of like constant, just knowing that I need to get better. Um, it, it, and also niching down and being specific. Like I need to point out how specific you are with it. Cause I think that can help anybody that one person right now that's listening go, okay. Yeah. Like be so good. They can't ignore you. But then I become obsessed with it. And when you get really stupid specific with it, like that simple with it, I think it really helps you to go, I'm not compare, I'm not trying to compete with the rest. All I'm doing is making myself the most unique I can be. And there is no longer competition. And you can agree with me or disagree, but I just had that thought. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're in a a lumberjack contest, you got to sharpen your own saw, man. Yeah, you got to sharpen your own axe and make it as sharp as you can make it. You can't look at the guy next to you and say, "Oh man, you know, look at look at the kind of you know, uh, you know, whatever the kind of sharpening stone he's using." Oh man, I wish I had that stone. And the whole while, you're not paying attention to sharpening your own axe. Total waste of time. Ah, oh, agreed. That is so. I agree with that so much. Um, okay. Well, I want to ask you this question because I think it's a very very important question uh, pertaining to the conversation we just had. Um, if you could become someone for just one month, who would it be and why? Oh, for one month? Oh, I, I'd want to be the Buddha. Nice. I've never gotten that. Just so I could, just so I could spend time understanding from the inside what does it feel like to have that level of serenity? To have depersonalized the things around you to such an extent that you realize on the most profound level that it ain't about you. No. Yeah, that's so. That's what I would want to experience for a month. Oh, I love that so much that you say that. Um, I've never gotten that. That's, uh, it makes me deeply curious about this, um, this Buddhist, Buddha, Buddha gentleman that you speak so highly of. He lived in 500 BC. I, I highly recommend looking it up. You know, it, it's Buddhism is considered a religion, but it's much more a worldview. It's an approach to how, you know, it's a lens that you can look upon life through. So, and, then, and there are some golden ideas in there and concepts, whether you buy it as a whole or not. It's you know, like, like a menu or something. You can sample some things on it that can totally change your experience. But you don't have to eat everything on the plate. You don't have to eat everything on the buffet. Take what works for you. That's interesting. So I'm really, I'm deeply, deeply curious on the way you're going to answer this question. Because I know that, um, I just know that your mind works in a very, very uh, specific and uh, genius way. It, I, I'll put it in my words. You may not think that. I think that. But um Let's be. Let's go down this road. Uh, so I, I, I feel like you, you know what your mission is, and your, your sort of like your destiny kind of is unfolding, uh, step through step. What is one thing or one difficult choice that you've had to make to fulfill your 
destiny that you're on? A difficult choice that I've had to make, I've had to let go of some relationships. You know, people that I was really connected to and people that I really felt that, oh, this is somebody I need to have in my life for the rest of my life. But then I realized if I'm going to step into the next phase of my life and grow and this person doesn't want to grow with me, I've got to find a way to say goodbye to them and let myself grieve the loss of that relationship. And I've had to do that many times. Oh man, thanks for your honesty. Um, I know I can personalize with that like enormously, <laughs> totally, absolutely. Um, to feel like I have to let go of just certain relationships, and um, that's just kind of the way of life. I think uh, I, I'm finding out more and more that I'm less alone with that. Um, that a lot of people have to kind of let go of certain relationships in order to um fulfill their dreams and their desires. So it's just a sacrifice. And also realize that that letting go of old relationships does not create a vacuum. No. It opens the door for somebody else to step in that you can now model and grow into that relationship. So again, it's growth. One thing dies and passes away and something else takes root and blossoms in its place. So a loss does not mean that there's forever this chasm. It's just one more opportunity to move into something new. That is, uh, that's, uh, wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. Oh, man, I keep having uh, knowledge bombs go off in my head after everything you say. Um, but anyways, I'd love to uh, ask you this because I think this is a really important question. Um, so no matter what we achieve as entrepreneurs or artists or you know, we were going to the university or starting that business and then actually getting the recognition that you wanted from starting that thing. But now you feel like maybe there's more and more and more and more. Um, how do you deal with this sort of problem? Well, it's not recognition. It's about creating change. Oh, you know, nice. when it comes to, you know, when it comes to the stuff I'm working on with ADHD and and Asperger's. One thing that it's a constant of the human's condition is suffering. There's always this underlying current of suffering. And if you're waking up every day to say, I want to help relieve suffering in somebody's life. In my case, it's specifically ADHD and Asperger's. Do you think suffering is ever going to go away? Hell no. It's part of the equation. But what you can do is relieve suffering today. Then you relieve suffering tomorrow. Then you do it again the next day. That is so. And over time, you become, yeah, over time, you become better and better at it. That's so important. I just want to specifically point that out that it's just, it's not about eliminating the problem or eliminating the suffering. It's just by becoming um, sort of better at it and more comfortable with it when it does arrive. Well, and realizing that it is part of our work of being human beings. Yeah. When you wake up every morning, you're hungry again. <laughs> you know, you're still going to have to keep, you're still going to have to keep eating and say, oh man, I'm tired of breathing today. This whole in out crap, man, I got better stuff to do. No, you're going to keep doing it because that's part of the deal. And as far as our character goes and our mindset goes, learning to manage and relieve suffering is our sacred work. And what better way can we spend our time than to help other people learn to do the same thing in their own lives, help them relieve suffering in some way. And there's no better way to live as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So agree. So agree with that. Uh, I guess the last question I want to leave us off with, which is um, one that I think is uh, always nice to just remind ourselves is uh, if you only had three minutes uh, to record on a device, and um, give to your family members, your loved ones, and also everyone else in the world or the universe that needs to hear these three minutes that you're going to record, what would you want to put on it? Well, in short, I would say the one thing you have to allow yourself in order to be happy, in order to be have a live, live a full life, you have to allow yourself to be fully human. 
Don't judge yourself for being imperfect or for making mistakes because in doing so, you're no different. You're no better or less than every other human being. Anybody who thinks they've got it all figured out is lying to themselves. Anybody who acts like they got it all figured out is putting on an act. None of us has it all figured out. None of us has all the answers. We're all just stumbling through life trying to answer questions and trying to figure this thing out. So by being human as much as possible, you are modeling for everybody else the importance of giving themselves permission to be exactly the way they are. So just be human. Let everybody else watch you do it so you can show them how it's done and invite them to join you in that place so you can be human together, so you can learn together and enjoy this wonderful experience and adventure that's called the human experience. That is the best way that this show could end. So thank you so much for that. Like, oh man, this has been a rich conversation. Brian R. King, I will let you know right now, my man, that this is not the last time you're going to be on the show. I don't care if you say that uh, you don't want to come back on. I'm going to force you to it. Um, <laughs> oh, no, man. I've, I've absolutely loved it. I'm so grateful you had me. Yeah, thank you, dude, so much for coming on uh, Scratch Your Own Itch. Um, if people want to find you, I, I, I said, you know, you can find you at Brian Raymond. King.com. Is there any other plugs that you want to, um, or maybe add something that I haven't asked you yet? You, you can totally, the floor is yours. Well, I mean, the, the conversation is endless. I mean, we can go so many directions, but in order to stay in touch with me, the best places are my website, like you mentioned, BrianRaymondKing.com. You can also find me on Facebook. I'm very easy to find. I also have a group in Facebook called Unstoppable ADHD and ASD. And the one bomb I want to make sure that everybody knows about is I've compiled an entire membership of videos and other resources to help you learn how to become unstoppable with ADHD and such. And it's 100% free. So if you connect with me at any of those three places, I will tell you how to access the membership site so you can start listening to the videos, doing the downloads, and making your life much more unstoppable and abundant. Dude, thank you so much for taking the time and creating that. That sounds like a huge, awesome offer. Like, We just don't have anything that's free nowadays. And hey, pretend for me, anyone that checks these videos out, pretend that you paid $4 million for them so you take them seriously to really start changing your life. Um, that will help me. And, and hopefully they... And hopefully they feel that way. Too. Yeah, no, seriously, because it's worth that much. Um, this is awesome value. Thank you so much for coming on Scratch Your Own Itch. Uh, Brian, I know we'll reconnect one day. Uh, dude, you deserve an incredible, amazing day, week, month, year, life. Let's talk again soon. All right. Well, there you have it. Another episode of Scratch Your Own Inch with Brian Raymond King. Uh, he was a super awesome guy. I'm so happy he came on the show. He's got quite the story. He's got quite the mind. And as you can tell, he just has a lot to give and a lot to give the world. And I'm so happy that he took the time out of his day to share his story with me and you, and also, guys, uh, don't ever forget that uh, this, this show means the world to me, and you mean the world to me, so if you're listening right now, and you're having a hard time deciding on what you want to do, because you have this, you've never been diagnosed with ADHD, but you have this constant going from one passion to another and you just can't gain clarity. I would love to help you. Please reach me at logan at logantylernelson.com. Again, that's logan at logantylernelson.com. And also, please don't forget to hit that subscribe button for 
a notification every single time that this episode comes out, as well as uh, if you want, you could go one bit further and leave a review. And if it turns out to be one of my favorite reviews, I will read the review on the show and I'll also send you a little gift, something that will scratch your own itch. So don't ever forget though, you matter and you're enough.